So, sorry about all the technical hitches. Yeah, we're just praying for um, lockdown to finish and streaming to fit uh, and for us to be able to gather together as we normally would do. Um, but glitches aside, let's um, let, let's let's get on with today with what God has to say. Yeah, I've had the AOK from Joe, so you guys can hear me then. <laughs> so uh, today we're going to be carrying on with our series um, on One John. So please uh, turn with me, if you, if you will, to 1 John chapter 2, verses 24. So either in the fancy uh, church online app, which hopefully you guys are using, or um, in, the, in the old-fashioned Bible, please turn there now, um, and we'll, we'll carry on. Um, I'm going to be I'm going to be reading from the ESV. And so let what you heard from the beginning abide in you. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, then you too will abide in the son and in the father. And this is the promise that he made to us eternal life. And I think what stands out to me and um, just reading those first couple of verses is about hearing and what we hear. Uh, and what we hear is just so important. It influences everything. It can influence our mood. If you hear a good song or um, somebody says a nice word to you, it can make all the difference to your day. Um, the opposite is also true. If you hear something awful, it can really change how you treat other people and, and um, what happens in the world around us. And taking these verses and um, into the context of what John has been speaking about so far in, in this letter, um, he has been speaking, particularly in the verses prior to this, about the risk of hearing what is not true, um, which Graham spoke awesomely about last week and Pete the week before as well, about the risks of hearing that which isn't true. And when we think about that in the context of what John has said already in this letter about the importance of fellowship with the Son and fellowship with the Father, we know and we can understand from what he's saying that lies break fellowship. Um, and they break fellowship with God. They break fellowship with one another. And I think this is one of those awesome kind of like biblical truths that, you know, you don't have to dig very far theologically to understand. Actually, we see it all around us that lies break fellowship and lies damage relationship. And I'm sure each and every single one of us can give an example from our personal lives um, where you can think of um, a friend or somebody has said something to you that wasn't true and it's really just damaged how you've seen that particular person. Um, even if you can't, so if you've been fortunate and lived long enough not to experience that personally, we can see it in the world around us, everywhere. Um, you know, think about current affairs and all the stuff that's in the news at the moment with um, Diana, for example, and you know, alleged lies that have been spread by a journalist there and how that's caused damage. And um, when we think about on a, on a wider scale about how social media is, you know, in the spotlight at the moment for, for spreading misinformation or fake news has been, you know, has been labeled now um, and all the division that comes alongside that from things when, tr when things that aren't true are being spread. Um, and we, we, we see that played out around us. You see how, hostile the uh, you know uh, american elections have been in terms of uh, divisions there we've had race riots this year um all these things um you know stem from mistruth um and, and things that aren't true uh, and so i think with those examples that i've given and with understanding that we can learn that and 
we would we feel clearly that our world is missing fellowship. It's missing relationship with one another in the way that we all know it should do. Um, and when t- taking the lessons out of one, what John is saying, when he's saying um, about what well, well, he's been saying in his letter so far about the importance of fellowship, it becomes clear that our world needs truth, and that's what's missing at the moment. Um, and when he, when John is talking about that which is heard from the beginning, what he's talking about is saying that the, the most important truth, the greatest truth that we can know, is that which was heard from the beginning. Um, and that which is heard from the beginning is Jesus Christ, the most important truth that we can know. Um, and he, this, this, this um, concept, this idea of, of Jesus being the truth that is from the beginning runs all the way through John's epistles, uh, clearly in his gospel. It's a verse, you know, uh, a few verses of his gospel as well. Um, and that is such a resonant thing, really, in terms of understanding how um, important it is that Jesus is truth and how important it is that he is that which is heard from the beginning. Um, and I suppose tr- truth and lies are, are so different in so many ways. Um, truth has a depth to it, whereas lies are superficial. You, know, you can you can pick them away quite quite easily. So, I mean, for those of you who don't know, I've, I've got a um, I've got a young daughter uh, who is three. I'm going to put. <laughs> she's a good she's a good girl. I'm not going to. I'm not going to get her in. Uh, she can't defend herself. Actually, she's not listening, so that's fine. But yeah, she's a good girl. But sometimes, sometimes I might catch her in a compromising situation. For example, you know, um, she might stray up into uh, our bedroom and she might uh, grab uh, a, a, my, my wife's makeup bag. And so I, I can think of an incident in particular where I, I've kind of walked upstairs. I've seen nail varnish everywhere, absolutely everywhere. Walls, carpets, absolutely everywhere. And if I ask Naomi, Naomi, what's happened here? She she, she comes up with all sorts, really. She's, you know, it's, um, you know, Isaac did it or you know, I didn't do that. But the truth is, I don't have to push very far to know what's happened. And that's, you know, I feel unfair to know. I mean, I'm just not here to defend herself. But the point is that, you know, lies are like that, you know, um, all lies. And I'll give you a pretty trivial example. But all lies are like that, that you can pick away at the surface and there's not very much underneath them. Whereas truth, like I said, truth has a depth to it. And nowhere is that more true than in Jesus Christ. Um, and uh, as well as being true in the way that we're you know, talking and exploring his, you know, exploring him in the word today, um, Jesus is true in a historical and factual way. That's that's a great reason for our faith. Um, and, and I mean, it's been a couple of months now that we've been in one John. But if you flip back in your Bible right to the beginning of one John, you'll understand what I mean by this. So if we go to 1 John chapter 1, uh, verse 1, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life, the life was made manifest and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life. And what John is saying here is that, listen, guys, I, I heard Jesus. I've, I've, I've touched him. Um, he was here. This life. So it's, it's not that I'm just telling you a nice story. This, this, this man. This the the word of God, son of God, 
was physically here. I've seen him, I've heard him, I've touched him. And that is such an important truth, which I think sometimes, you know, 2000 years down the line, I don't think we grasp that properly. And I think sometimes we can think, you know, oh, we're, you know, we're far, far too intelligent and, you know, to, to, to believe the you know, fairy tales of the Bible now. But actually, they're not fairy tales, they're true. They're true. Uh, you know, there's no, you know, university in the lands that you could go to where you know, a serious historian or otherwise would doubt that Jesus Christ existed. No, nobody would say that. Um, similarly, the truth of the resurrection on which our faith hangs, there is good factual basis for us to believe that. And, um, you know, uh, one of the hallmarks that we want uh, to be of Hope City Church is a focus on biblical truth and, to, and a focus on developing believers that are able to defend their faith and what they believe in on a not in a not just in a um uh, uh exaggerated way or a fluffy way but actually based on reason and logic and faith because this is because god has given us reason um as a, as a blessing and as a way of interpreting the world around us and we believe that a belief in the gospel is a rational response to what jesus christ has done um, and, and that's, you know, uh, you know, Pastor Graham has done a, a, a brilliant apologetic series, um, uh, Reasons to Believe, which you can access on the website. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to plug that. And so, yeah, I guess we'll get Claire to say at the end about HopeCityChurchUK.com as well, just so that you guys can log on. You can get involved and understand some of the, the some of those those truths in a better way and um, to be able to vocalise those to your friends. And I mean, Going back to talking about truth and what we hear, I think it's so important that there is a factual basis to what we believe because the fact that it's true is what makes it life-changing. And when we go back to 1 John 2 verse 24, that's what makes it abide, the fact that it changes life. Uh, that is what makes what we hear so different to that which we hear around us. You know, you know you can eat, somebody can you know, drop a... a a funny one-liner or we might watch you know uh, a, a, a tv program or hear a clever tweet but it doesn't abide because it's not life-changing but what jesus is what jesus has said is life-changing it abides that's what we're getting at in 1 john 2 verses 24 um and i think as christians like i said we, we have a temptation to kind of you know okay uh, uh, put the, the the bible and uh, our faith somewhere away from that rationality um and we sometimes can fail to understand the whole depth of the truth of what we believe but we need to understand his truth properly that which we've heard from the beginning we need to get into our scriptures we need to read um his word and embrace the truth of jesus on every level and let it abide with us because if we fail to grasp this it doesn't have the impact that it should do on us or the people around us um so i'll, I'll give you another example I, I, i'm a doctor and so I'll, I'll be doctors with me for, for a second okay um imagine we've got you know uh mr smith yeah he's, he's coming he's coming to our doctor's office and um he's saying doc i'm just having an awful time and um, i've lost my job my wife's left me um Give me some help. What, what, what do I do? So I can I can tell him a truth, okay? So I could tell him, look, Mr. Smith, the issue is um, there's a chemical in your brain. It's called serotonin. Uh, the levels are a little bit low. Um, so you just need to sort out the chemicals and you'll be fine. Off you go there, Mr. Smith. Have a nice day. 
So I could tell him that. And um, I think all of us know that would not be a very helpful way to help him, even though I've told him a part of the truth, okay? What is actually valuable to Mr. Smith is not just knowing that, okay? It's actually knowing, uh, or it's also dealing with the truth of why he's feeling low. So actually, you know, the truth of him losing his wife, missing his wife or being depressed for whatever reason. And I think in a similar way, we sometimes can do the gospel a disservice when we're presenting truth, if we just present one side of it. So if we present, you know, um, the um, emotional impact of the gospel when it's heard, um, it can sometimes just come across as just, you know, a moral fairy tale. You know, um, so a, a good, you know, Disney Plus episode. It's it's far, but we know that the gospel is far more than that. Um, it has to be, otherwise we're wasting our time. <laughs> it's the truth. And um, if it isn't more than that, you know, poor Graham, who's been beating the keyboard in the background trying to sort out our technical things, he is, <laughs> it's all a waste of time. You know, Paul says himself, you know, in 1 Corinthians 15, and if the resurrection is not true, to paraphrase, basically, and we amongst all people are to be pitied. And that's absolutely true. We are to be pitied if this is just a nice story. Yeah. But thank God it's more than that. <laughs> OK. Um, and that's why we're here. That's why we believe what we believe. Um, and also I want to kind of counsel against going too far the other way in terms of, you know, diving into the, the facts and believing it just as, you know, a dry lecture about the historical Jesus. Then it misses the life-changing effect of what it is in that truth that abides with us from the beginning. As Christians, we need to learn to hold both truths together, yeah? And knowing that the truth that we have is based on evidence, it is has a spiritual impact, and it gives us a hope that is not just for now, it's forever. And we have to understand that and hold both truths together in our daily walk, but also when we're speaking to people about Jesus as well, we need to bring all of those things together in the truth that we understand. Um, and so um, let's make an effort to protect ourselves from what isn't true. Um, knowing how valuable the truth is. Um, you, you may have heard some things in your life from, from the beginning, if we're thinking about 1 John 2, verse 24, we're thinking about, you may have heard things from the beginning that aren't Jesus or that aren't true. Um, that there might be things that have been said about you by teachers, by parents, or so-called friends, and you've let the wrong things that you've heard abide with you rather than that which was heard from the beginning, as John is talking about. Um, and when I think about that as an idea, um, it leads me to the book of Job, which I've been reading at the moment. Um, Job is a book about in the Bible about a man that endures great suffering. And in a moment, he loses his children, he loses his belongings, he's afflicted with a terrible illness, everything that can go wrong goes wrong and then some. And the book mainly centers really about the dialogue and the conversations that he has with his so-called friends and who deliver him things to be honest when I read this when I read the Bible, yeah I read the book of John actually a lot of them it sounds right quite clever and actually you know when you hear his friends talk and um, not all of what they're saying is completely untrue, um, but they have misapplied that truth or they're misrepresenting that truth. And they tell him that he deserves his suffering because he is sinful or because of the things that he's done wrong. But what I think we can learn from Job is that Job 
stands resolute despite hearing what his friends have said around him he knows the relationship that he has with god he knows who his god is he knows who god has said he is and he knows that truth and he abides in it and and i think we can i, I think we should take that lesson away from job in terms of sometimes just shutting ourselves off to the things that we hear around us even the things that sound quite intelligent actually um, and sound like they could possibly be right shutting those things off and just listening and locking in to what God has said about us and that which has been heard from the beginning, Jesus, because that's what matters, not what other people are saying around us. Because lies, um, they entangle, they choke, they, they, they bind us, whereas truth, especially Jesus' truth, it, it sets us free. That's what he says in John 8, verse 31 to 32. If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So I just want to encourage you today. You know, those lies that you've heard from the beginning, those untruths, or even those half-truths, those things that sound quite intelligent, that they could be right, let them go. Let them go. Yeah, but Abide in what God has said about you, in what Jesus has said about you. Um, the, 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 tr the truth of Jesus Christ is, is so important. It is the eternal life that we are looking for. You know, that's, that's what the verses that we're talking about are focused on. Um, but I would probably go one step further because often when we're talking about eternal life, we think, oh, just us as Christians, you know, that, that's, that's what we're after. That's what we've understood. But I'd probably maybe say that actually all of us in some way, even those of us that don't know Jesus, are looking for eternal life, you know, a life that doesn't end. Um, I mean, 2020 has been the year of all years <laughs> that our society has been, you know, brutally confronted with our mortality, particularly Western society. We, 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 we've kind of, kind of, you know, swept it to the background, you know, about death in the last, you know, few decades or whatever it's been since the World War Two. You know, you know, thinking of death more as an inconvenience or you know a, a technical hitch because of how clever we are with our medicine and our science rather than actually something that is part of being human um and it's enabled us because of the the wonderful advances that we've made to kind of just push the idea of death to the back to the background un until 2020 um but having said that even in this pandemic you can argue um, that our response has been entirely in keeping with that mentality of trying to forget that we're going to die or trying to ignore the fact that death is there. And the focus originally, I mean, it sounds like a lifetime ago that you know, all the rumours were coming about how this virus came out, but you know, originally about, you know, has it been leaked from a lab um, or um, is it to do with how, you know, we've mistreated animals, um, which, you know, all of those things would kind of, lump into a technical failure so it's clearly something that we've done wrong that's, that, that's allowed that to happen that's the only way that anything could ever come wrong become wrong if we've technically done something wrong or it's become a a race to identify a vaccine and a way to fix it and um, because whatever's wrong you know we, we can fix it surely and and it just kind of links into that you know kind of death as a technical hitch that we can just get rid of hopefully um and I think this mentality um, 
it's, it's, it is quite striking. I, 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 I was listening to a podcast the other day, Theodore uh, and John Bear and said a couple of weeks ago that the biggest barrier to the gospel currently is a lack of acknowledgement of death in our society. I thought, that's a, that's, a, that's a big thing to say. But then as I kind of reflected on it, I thought, yeah, I can kind of understand where he's coming from with that. Because if you don't think you're going to die, the promise of eternal life that we're talking about in verse 25 probably isn't that appealing. But there's something that we need to try and understand, which is that um, we do need the eternal life that Jesus promises. And moreover, abiding in Jesus is that eternal life that we're all searching for. I think the transition, if we go back to 1 John 2 verses 24 to 25, the transition from 24 to 25 is so important. It doesn't say that you know the son will abide in you and then and then after that you will have eternal life. Abiding in the son or remaining in the son if you're reading if you're reading the NIV is the eternal life. That's the promise. Jesus is eternal life. So everything else that we're doing that isn't Jesus, that isn't abiding with Jesus, is a fallacy because it's not eternal life. Yeah. Um, so Jesus said this himself, you know, John, John 14, verse six, that famous uh, verse, you know, I am the way, the truth, like I've been talking about, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And the, the issue with how, as you know, a 21st century society, we're trying to pursue eternal life is that we are trying to live forever without abiding in Jesus. And we are choosing quantity of life over quality of life with Jesus and actually achieving neither. Um, and so um, Jesus says in John 10, verse 20, John 10, verse 10, the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But I come that they may have life and have it abundantly. That's what we're looking for. But the abundant life, life abundantly, isn't an arbitrary extension of the life that we're living now. It's not, you know, Jesus hasn't come so that we can live a little bit longer, so we can finish that box set on Netflix. He hasn't come so that we can live the abundant life, you know, flash car now, big house now. No, that's not abundance. That's not the eternal life that is, that is promised. Abundance is bearing his fruit. Um, and when we abide with Jesus, we bear his fruit and, and we sprout life all around us. And, and people notice that abiding in Jesus is being one with him. Um, John chapter 15, verses four to five. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. And particularly last few words of that verse uh, to me, apart from me, you can do nothing. When we are with Jesus, when we are in Christ, we don't try to extend the vanities and the falsehoods of this life of trying to live without him. We realize that actually without him, we are nothing. Um, and we ultimately die to this life altogether because we know that 
the only reason, the only way, the, the key to life and life eternal is unity with him. But I wonder, I talk to myself as much as anybody here, how much really grasp and understand this truth um, and of how much, how important it is to abide with Christ, to be one with Christ and how actually as a Christian, that is already what's happening in us. We are already unified with Christ um, and not just the good bits, all of it, <laughs> everything that Jesus has gone through, we are part of we, because we are, uni we are unified with him. Romans 6, verses 3 to 4. Um, so do you not know that all of us who have been baptised into Christ Jesus were baptised into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into his death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we, might, we too might walk in the newness of life. So if we understand these verses properly, there's no way we can't live our life tremendously differently to the people that we see in the world around us. Because what, Roman, what Paul is saying here is that we are already dead with Jesus Christ to this life. We've been baptised and buried in, with him. Do we really live like this? Death is not just intrinsic to the overall human experience. Accepting and understanding death to this life and subsequently living out Jesus's victory over death in this life is fundamental to our faith. And um, the book of Job refers to death as the king of terrors. As Christians, what Jesus has done enables us to look, not to run or hide from the king of terrors. I think it's an awful name. <laughs> run or hide from death and the king of terrors. It means we can stare death right in the face, knowing that Jesus has won once and for all. Um, and it, it struck me, I mentioned that podcast earlier, it struck me, um, you know, John Bell made the point about actually the only two sacraments, you know, within our faith um, are baptism and communion, both which, which we celebrated with Dave and Claire earlier on. Both of those things focus on death. Um, it makes it clear to me that, that, that death, and the idea of death to this life is it something that we're supposed to shy away from. Um, we share in Jesus's death in order to inherit that promise of eternal life. And it's been it's in verse, John mentions in verse 25. Um, I think we have this temptation, I think because of the culture that we live in, to kind of want to pick the nice parts of the walk with Jesus and think about the, the resurrection uh, and the, the glory and the nice bits, but not think that actually it, we have to go through the suffering and the cross as well. Remember the verses that I've just read that we've been crucified with him. Yeah. So that, that pain and that suffering isn't something that we hide away from. It's something we're reminded of when we do the communion. It's we're reminded of when we are baptized that we die to this life in order to live a full and, and a full and new one with him. So the, the, question becomes quite clearly um it like i've said already is ha have you died to this life yet i mean if, if you're calling yourself a christian and um, if you don't know jesus yet um have you died to this life yet or are we vainly trying to extend the life that we see around us um just like everybody else are we prepared to be dead to sin 
as Paul says later on in Romans 6. Um, and at this point, I want you to turn in your Bibles to Philippians chapter 1, verse 21. And I'll give you a second to get there or to type it in on the Church Online app. And what it says is, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And I think for me, there are certain, there are certain verses when you, you know, when you're walking Christian circles or um, that you hear a lot, um, John 3.16 or Psalm 23 um, and this one, you hear them a lot. And sometimes, or you see them on a, a bumper sticker or a side of a mug and they, you sometimes forget actually how much power is in the, those words. And I think it's a really, I just want you to highlight it in your Bible or stare at it for a long time. Etch Philippians 1 verse 21 into your mind. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. That is just a mind-blowing statement. <laughs> okay, when you think about uh, the life that we see around us now, in what way is dying gain? Um, and, you know, you always feel like if Paul was here now, you'd be like, you want to chuck a bucket of cold water over his head and give him a you know, quick slap in terms of like, what, what are you saying, Paul? To die is gain. I need, I need to you know, get, you know, this, uh, I need to, dying is anything but gain. I need to, I need to, I need a vaccine. I need to get my, get my vitamins in. I need to get uh, this, you know, soy, soy milk. I need to, I need to do anything but die. <laughs> but Paul is saying the exact opposite here is what Christianity is about. Do we really understand this? Do we really live this? Um, I'm, I'm talking to myself as much as anybody here. Um, do I understand that living for Christ is the most important thing? And um, dying to this life, uh, I mean, are we prepared to be embarrassed sometimes? or humiliated sometimes to present the truth that, that John is talking about in the gospel. We're supposed to die, we're prepared to die a social death um, in order to follow the commands that are, are written there in the words from the beginning. Um, Jesus Christ was completely humiliated for us. You know, he, he died on a cross naked, um, asphyxiating and choking for us. There's nothing that you could think of more humiliating than that, really. Are we prepared to model that same kind of self-sacrificial love for the world around us um, and the people in the community around us? Let's, I just, I just hope that what hopefully God is able to say through me today is a challenge to you to live life in a different way, in a way that is dead to what we see around us, um, but in reflection of the life that is promised to us um, and the life that has been achieved to us, for us through Jesus Christ. Uh, and I think when we understand this uh, and, and when we abide in him uh, and the security of this promise of eternal life, it, it really gives us the courage to live differently and to bear fruit. Um, it can help us deal with the ups and downs of the world that we see around us and, and the pain 
that is part of uh, yeah, our existence. In fact, you know, the Bible shows that God is closest at these times when we feel uh, that we're in pain, um, even though often it doesn't feel like it. Um, and this has been true from the beginning. Um, I'm going to go speak on the example of Job again. Job's thought to have lived around about the time of Abraham, uh, depending on who you talk to, um, thousands of years before Jesus. He lost everything, like I explained earlier. Um, but in the midst of his suffering and the, the, these painful experiences, he gives probably some of the clearest pictures of Jesus that you can see. Um, I just don't thought as a coincidence that, that that these descriptions are hidden in a book that most significantly describes suffering in the Old Testament. Job chapter 16, verses 19 to 21 says, even now, this is Job speaking um, uh, as he's, you know, debate as he's giving a rebuttal to his friends. He says, even now, behold, my witness is in heaven and he who testifies for me is on high. My friends scorn me. My eyes pour, my eyes pour out tears to God that he would argue the case of a man with God as a son of man does with his neighbor. And when I read that, I can't think of anything but an advocate. And if you, Rewind a few weeks ago, uh, when we started 1 John chapter 2, we were talking about you know, that he, Jesus, John says, even if we do sin, we have an advocate in heaven uh, with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. So Job is seeing an advocate in the depth of his suffering thousands of years before Jesus Christ has even arrived, uh, has even arrived on the scene physically anyway. Um, later on in Job, Job 19, verse 25, for I know that my Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold, and not another. My heart faints within me. Um, and again, look out thousands of years before the promise that what John is writing about in 1 John chapter 2. Job is describing the resurrection. He's describing... Uh, a redeemer, um, one amazing picture of Christ that he's able to give in the depth of his suffering. Um, and I just want you to know that the same is true for us, that Christ abides with us in the good times and the hard. And we can be assured of the certainty of his promise of eternal life that we can experience now because he's with us um, in all the difficulties that we might face. So I just want to push you to hold on to his truth, hold on to that which was heard from the beginning, hold on to Jesus, let's abide with him, let's live lives that are radically different to those that are around us. Um, I, do, I, just want to, I just want to pray for everybody just before I finish. Lord God, thank you for your truth, Lord Jesus. Thank you because of the, the depth of your truth, the longevity of your truth, um, the assurance that we have because of your truth. Lord God, I pray for anybody that's following this stream that doesn't know your truth. I pray that you will meet them now, that your Holy Spirit will turn their heart and they will begin to know you in a way that is radical and a way that is subversive to the world around them. Um, I pray that you will have 
that you will heal um, people that are maybe damaged from things that they have heard from the beginning that aren't true, um, that are in, have been affected and are in pain um, from lies that they have been told. I pray that your Holy Spirit, the Comforter, will comfort them now and, and teach them your truths and what it is that you have to say about them. I pray for all of us that we will know you more and that we will live a life that is not just yours in name, that is not superficial, but that is entirely for you, uh, that we will cast aside the, the vanities and the, the appeals of this life. That we will die to that and live for you and live in accordance with your promise. Amen. I'm just going to pass back to David Clare. Thanks, guys.